What a gift to see you all worshiping together. Uh, what a gift it is this morning. For those of you watching online, my name is Rich. I'm the lead pastor of New Life Fellowship Church here in Queens, New York City. And uh, what a gift it is on this Vision Sunday. This is kind of like our annual kickoff the ministry year uh, day. And uh, it's just so wonderful to sing with you. Just how wonderful is it to hear the voices of the people of God uh, sung together. Oh, man, it's just wonderful. And so, so glad you're with us. Uh, at the end of our service, I'll be downstairs in the lobby area. I'd love to meet you. And before I get into our, our message, just a heads up that next week, uh, we are going to be starting a church-wide small group uh, initiative for five weeks based on um, a book called The Deeply Formed Life, uh, written by a guy named Rich Velotis. And uh, it's, uh, I, I'm hearing great, good things. Um, so uh, the, the five values that I write about in this book are the five values of our congregation. And for five weeks, we're going to be exploring these values together. We have over 50 small groups that are going to be joining. And so if you're looking to be part of one of these groups, if you want to start a group, uh, Pastor Helen will be downstairs in the lobby. Uh, we'd love to figure out a way to help you get connected uh, in this way. So uh, make sure you, you connect with us downstairs. And as well, uh, we actually have some books for sale. And so I'll be downstairs after the first service. It was just a joy to connect with some new lifers and sign some books. And so if you'd uh, like me to do that, I'm happy to do that. If you just want to stop by the table and say hello as well, if, we've, if I haven't seen you uh, in a while, or if we've never met before, uh, please stop by the table. Uh, no purchase is required to say hello, all right? And so make sure you just stop by and say hello. Uh, this is Vision Sunday. We're looking at uh, the, the book of First Peter chapter 2 today, uh, verse 9 and 10. And this is such a powerful uh, scripture as it relates to who the church is to be. Vision Sunday is our opportunity at New Life to orient you as to what it means to be part of this community. For those of you who are new, you're going to hear our vision and our values laid out maybe for the first time. And for those of you who've been here for a long time, this is a reorientation, reminding you as to who you are called to be, who are we called to be, what it means to follow Jesus in this generation and in this place in Queens. And so today is kind of a buffet kind of sermon, all right? Uh, I'm going to be just throwing everything at you. And so uh, uh, stick with me as we just uh, explore the various values that make up New Life Fellowship Church. Some of you are wondering, what is this church all about? What does this church emphasize? What kind of missional engagement is involved in this church? And so we're going to explore a bunch of that today. First Peter chapter 2, verse 9, hear the word of the Lord. It says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. That's who you are. That you, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Let's pray. Lord, open our eyes that we would receive every gift from the Holy Spirit this day. And may we be reminded of the people that you've called us to be in Queens, New York City. Uh, Holy Spirit, open our eyes, open our ears, open our hearts. We pray these things in Christ's name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. 
There is an image that I return to over and over when I think about the world that we live in and the invitation and the challenges that are before us. And the image that comes to mind is an image found in the Midwest. From time to time in the Midwest in the past, uh, there's a story that I heard that fierce blizzards would come to this particular area. And these blizzards would come were highly dangerous and they would come just almost unexpected. And when the full force of the winds were uh, that intense, a farmer could not see the end of his or her own hand. Many farmers would uh, freeze to death in the blizzard, disoriented by their inability to see. They would get lost in their own backyard because they could not find their way home. And so what they needed to do was to tie a rope at the end of the barn to the front of their house so that in the event that a blizzard would come and they were far away, they would be able to have a rope that would tether them, that would keep them oriented, anchored to figure out how to get back home. And so they needed a rope. They needed something to help them get back home in the midst of a crazy blizzard. And when I think about this image of not being able to see, of the winds, of the intensity of this, of people losing their way, I think this is an appropriate image for the world we find ourselves in. Because whether you know it or not, we are in a blizzard. Whether you know it or not, we are in an environment right now in our society, in our world, in which it's disorienting. And we often don't know how to find our way home. And the blizzard that we're in, I'm call, there's a particular blizzard. I'm giving it a name. It's called a CPR blizzard. That's the world that we inhabit, a CPR blizzard. What's CPR? It, it, what I'm getting at, it's a blizzard marked by COVID, political idolatry, and racial hostility. That's the world we live in. Sound familiar? <laughs> and because of this, our breathing is impacted. Because of, because of this, our hearts are ailing. How do we find a way through the blizzard? How do we find our way through COVID-19? Through the ongoing political idolatry, the racial hostility, and beyond just this big blizzard, we all have our little blizzards. The blizzards that no one knows about. The blizzards that you struggle with on your own. The challenge, the blizzard of trying to build a healthy marriage. The blizzard of trying to raise children in the way of the gospel. The blizzard of trying to find meaningful work. The blizzard of trying to negotiate our differences with people whom we love. The blizzard of aging and experiencing greater limitations. The blizzard of financial stress. The blizzard of stress on the job. The blizzard of trying to hold all of these things together. I know I'm not the only one. We are experiencing a blizzard. And the question is, how do we remain tethered to God? How do we find our way home? Now, if I can continue with this metaphor here, God is our rope. Amen. God is the one who brings us home. God is the one who keeps us anchored. God is the one who keeps us tethered in the midst of a blizzard. But if I can move beyond just that, the rope that we are called to is also a way of life. There is a way of life that we're called to live by that is our blizzard. A way of life that helps us to find our way home in the middle of a blizzard. But beyond just that, God is our rope. A way of life is our rope. But here's the third thing I want you to see as we look at 1 Peter chapter 2. 
We are called to be the rope for a world that's lost in a blizzard. For a world that's marked by disorientation. For a world that's marked by all kinds of confusion and stress. The body of Christ, the church, is to be the rope that helps the people find their way home. Amen. The church exists to help people find their way to God. The church exists to pe help people find their way home. The church exists to be a sign and a symbol of stability in a world that's marked by a blizzard. And so on this Vision Sunday, we are to remind ourselves, what kind of church is God calling us to be? What kind of individual followers of Jesus is he calling us to be? And we look to Peter because Peter has some really important words to describe what it means to be the church. In 1 Peter 2.9, Peter writes, look at these words. You are a chosen people, royal priesthood, holy nation, God's special possession. Let me just break down these four things really quickly here. Chosen people. You didn't choose God. God chose you. Amen. You didn't find God. God found you. God was never lost, okay? God knows where everything is at. We were lost. God chose us. God has always had his eye on you. And not just you individually, us as a community. And you might feel overlooked in society. You might feel marginalized because of the color of your skin or the country of your birth or the family of origin you came from. Whether no one chooses you or not, rest assured, brothers and sisters, God chooses you. God looks at you. They might have skipped you on the promotion, but God chooses you. You not, might not be picked on the team, but God chooses you. Peter says you are a chosen people. But in addition, you are a royal priesthood. That the role of a priest is to help people find their way to God. And here's the beauty of it. You don't need a fancy theology degree to be part of the royal priesthood. You don't need to go to seminary to be part of the royal priesthood. You don't have to wear a particular robe to be part of this royal priesthood. If you belong to Jesus, you are part of this royal priesthood, which means everyone has something to offer. And no matter who you are, you can bring people to God. And so Peter says, you're chosen. You're a royal priesthood. Then he says the church is a holy nation. In other words, we operate by a different kind of constitution. That we operate by a different way of understanding power. That we operate by a different kind of principle and we have a different kind of allegiance. Our allegiance is to Jesus Christ. We are different. A holy nation. We're God's special possession. That word there means we're peculiar, we're unique, we're supposed to confound the world. That's what the church, the church is not to be like the world, amen, the church is to confound the world. The world is to look at the church, us individually and us as a community and say, I just don't get those people. I don't understand them. I don't understand their love. I don't understand their truth. I, I just don't. We are a peculiar people. This is what Peter is trying to get at. 
And what I want to explore is the, the particular ways that we are peculiar in Queens. Every church community has particular areas of emphasis. This is why we need the body of Christ. This is why we need the church down the street. The Rock Church, other churches. We need churches in Brooklyn, Queens, Manhattan, across the board. Why? Because different churches have a way of emphasizing different things. Which is why at New Life, we should never compare our church to other people's churches. We never go, we're better than them. And, we're not, and, and, and we don't do any of that there. You might say that your preacher's better looking than other people. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> However, that's as far as it goes. But that wasn't in my notes. It's just the spirit just coming up here. <laughs> But every church has something to offer. And we bless other churches. And we thank God for other churches. And we pray for other churches. That we're not the only ticket in town here. We're not the only show in town here. At the same time, God has called us to be a peculiar people. To give expression to particular ways of following Jesus in Queens, New York City. And over 35 years, New Life Fellowship, hear this, we're starting our 35th year this month. Amen. 35. I was seven when this church got started. Can you, can you, just a couple of miles away, seven. God has been faithful to us as we begin our 35th year. And as we begin our 35th year, we are reminded of the kind of people we are called to be. What does it mean to be part of this church? What does it mean to be on mission? Well, to explain that, we have something called our five M's, our five values. It's our rope that keeps us tethered to God. And it's the rope that I believe the world around us is desperately looking for to keep them anchored in the midst of a blizzard. And what I want to do is explore very briefly these five values to remind us as to who we are and introduce our congregation and our values to those of you who are new to us. How do we remain anchored in this blizzard? Well, first of all, through this monastic value. And the way to explain this monastic value is essentially this. We are invited or we need to slow down to catch up to God. Our lives need to slow down in order to catch up to God. That we are called to live by a different pace, a different rhythm. And we desperately need this message of slowing down our lives because we live in the city that never sleeps. If there's anyone on this planet that needs this particular value, it's us in New York City. And so we are called to slow down our lives to be with God. What is the world desperately longing for? I'll tell you. The world is desperately longing for people who have slowed down their lives enough to be with Jesus. That's what the world is looking for. People who have slowed down their lives to experience intimacy and union with Jesus Christ and living out of that place. There's a passage of scripture in Acts chapter 4. The church is birthed, the Holy Spirit has been poured out. God is using these ordinary people 
who in larger society tends to, tended to be marginalized and the Holy Spirit fell on ordinary people. And the way, listen, listen, look at Acts chapter 4. They're trying to explain these people. It says, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. We took note. There's something about them that's hard to explain. They don't have a high education. Uh, they're not known with the elites of society. But they have something in them. How do you explain it? Well, these men had been with Jesus. May the world say that about New Life Fellowship Church. These people have been with Jesus Christ. These people, these men, these women, these teenagers have been with Jesus Christ. And the truth, of the, the truth of the matter is, that's often not what describes our lives. That's often what not, doesn't describe the church as a whole. Instead of they took note that these men have been with Jesus, in our day it's they took note that these men have been with cable news personalities. That's what people are seeing when they see Christians. I, uh, you, you've been with CNN, you've been with Fox, I could tell who you've been with. You've been with religious judgmental people, you've been with oh, cr crazy people on, on social media, you've been there. But may it be said of our lives that we are people who have been with Jesus and we desperately need this. To slow down our lives. To spend time with God. That's what our souls are craving. And no matter who you are, we find ourselves caught in the crazy pace of life in New York. A few years ago, I tell the story in my book where I'm walking down in my neighborhood in Queens and this guy flashes me down. Hey, excuse me, sir, are you Jewish? And he screams again, are you Jewish? And I was growing up my beard and everything like that. So I thought, oh, yeah, okay, okay. But I thought I was Jewish. And so, and, and so I screamed back, no, I'm Puerto Rican. This is a Queen's moment here. This is a Queen's moment. And he goes, great. And I was just like, wow, th thank you. I, I <laughs> he goes, I need your help. I need to get my mother out of the apartment. And I'm thinking, this is very bizarre. This is very bizarre. Can you come with me? And so I said, all right. And so I just, I, I, I follow him. And as we're walking into the elevator, he goes, can you press the elevator button? I said, sure. I get to the elevator and then I walk into the elevator. And he goes, can you press six? And I, I, I press six and kind of look to the side and he's kind of muttering and he's like frazzled and all that. I was just like, this is very, very strange here. So we walk out the elevator. We still have about three apartments to go. He's already screaming before he gets into the house. Ma, Rich is here. And I hear a voice coming out of this apartment. Who's rich? Very just irritated. Who's rich? What happened was they were heading to synagogue. And they could not, because of Sabbath prohibitions, they could not press the elevator buttons. All he needed me to do was press the button. Now, when I walk into the apartment, 
I see this 90-year-old woman with the biggest heels I've ever seen, number one. Pearl necklace. And she's stressed about how busy her life is. And I'm thinking, and, and, and with her walker, she's saying, I'm so busy. I have so much to do. When am I going to get to it all? I'm thinking, you're 90. What are you doing? Why are you doing this? It's the Sabbath as well. Why are you so stressed out on the Sabbath? And I'm thinking, if this 90-year-old woman, so stressed out by everything that has to be done, that's a picture of all of us. There's so much to do. So little time to do it. And yet, this monastic value says, no, 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 we are invited to slow down, to be with God. That's where we start. But the second value out of this continues. What does it mean to be part of new life? Well, it means there's this commitment to emotional health, this commitment to interior examination. If I could say it this way, it's a recognition that Jesus wants to transform every aspect of our lives, especially our inner life. We often believe that Jesus just wants to change our wardrobe, the way we speak, the people we used to hang out with, the places we used to go. And be that as that may, God wants to transform us at the deepest center of our lives. Here's what I know to be true about the spiritual life. We often use God to run from God. Or we use God to run from ourselves. And we get so busy with doing church and helping everybody else that we miss out on what's actually happening deep at the center of our souls. And so this value of emotional health is about integration. How do we integrate what's happening at the deepest part of our lives and offer it to God? How do we hold our anger and our sadness and our anxiety and not try to pray it away, but listen to God in it? And not try to avoid our anger. And not try to ignore our sadness or our anxiety. This is one of the reasons why so much of our country and churches are stuck. Because we have not learned how to integrate. 600,000 people have died. And let's just move on. There's no language of grief. There's no language of lament. There's still much to cry over, still much to be sad over. We just can't move on like nothing has happened. And yet what happens is within the church and outside of the church, because we don't know what to do with our anger, we don't know what to do with our sadness, we don't know what to do with our anxiety, we ignore it as opposed to integrating it. But sooner or later, what begins to happen is what's happening inside of us has a way of manifesting and capsizing us. The image that comes to mind is out of one of my favorite movies. You know, whenever a movie comes on, on TNT or what have you, no matter where it's at, I stop whatever I'm doing and I watch it. And so whenever Inception comes on, I stop whatever I'm doing and I watch it. Uh, when Lord of the Rings comes on, I stop whatever I'm doing and I watch it. When Shawshank Redemption comes on, I stop whatever I'm doing, amen, and I watch it. <laughs> When a Marvel movie comes on, I stop whatever I'm doing and I watch it. And one of the movies I do this as well with is Titanic. I love Titanic. Love it. 
100%. Love it. This movie came out in 1997. How do I know? I worked at a movie theater in 1997. I saw Titanic so much that year. Loved it. I was supposed to be sweeping popcorn off the floor. I was in the back of the theater watching Titanic. <laughs> I loved it. And every time I watch it, I'm struck. It's a spiritual metaphor. Yes, it is. It's a spiritual metaphor. That after Titanic goes off to sea, it hits an iceberg. And a few days after or so, we see this terrifying contrast. We're on the upper deck. It's celebration. They're having a great time. Opulence, joy, great meals. But on the lower deck, it's absolute chaos. And as the movie keeps going on, what we begin to see is the issues of the lower deck slowly rise to the upper deck. And I hate, spoiler alert, uh, alert here, the, the, the Titanic sinks. I'm sorry. <laughs> you should have seen this by now. You should have known this. And when I think about that movie, I think this is the spiritual life. If we're not going down to the lower decks of our own souls to explore what's happening here, sooner or later we're going to capsize. And so what does it mean for this value for us? Well, it means a few things. It means that we pay attention at New Life to our feelings. That we don't separate faith and feelings. We integrate faith and feelings. That we pay attention to the ways our families of origin have shaped us. That we pay attention to our reactions. That there's plenty of revelation to be found in the ways we react to things. That we pay attention to the trauma we've experienced. We pay attention to our limits and we cultivate self-care. What does it mean to be part of new life? To give our attention to these things. Because to do this is just as spiritual as anything else we could do. And so let me move on here. What are we called to be? A monastic community, slowing down to catch up to God. A, ch a church that's marked by emotional health. Recognizing that Jesus wants to transform all of our lives, especially our interior life. Here's the third value. It's this multiracial reconciliation value. And what's the confession? It's the confession that the gospel is powerful enough to create a new family. The gospel is powerful enough to create a new family. What is the gospel? The gospel is the good news that the kingdom of God has come near in Jesus Christ. And that in his life, death, resurrection, and enthronement, the powers of sin and death no longer have the last word. That's good news. That because God has come in Christ, the powers of sin and death no longer have the last word. And this applies to racism. This applies to classism. This applies to sexism. This applies to ethnocentrism. This applies to all of life. The gospel is about God creating a new family. The gospel is not just about what happens when we die. People say, Pastor Rich, I've gotten emails from, Pastor Rich, can we just preach the gospel? What do you mean when you say that? That we go to heaven when we die. I praise God that that's part of the gospel. At the core of the gospel is not a transaction. At the core of the gospel is not an eternal destination. At the core of the gospel is a person. Jesus Christ is our good news. And he's making a new family. 
and we need this message. Because to be a new family takes a lot of work. New Life Fellowship, our goal is not diversity. That's not our goal. People come to New Life because they say, I love the diversity here. I love the diversity as well. I love the different experiences. I love the different ways that we come to God. I, I love it all. But our goal is not diversity. You know why? Because City Field is diverse. Yankee Stadium is diverse. Subway cars are diverse. And we're called to be more than simply a sanctified subway car. Our goal is not diversity. Our goal is love. That's our goal. Solidarity. Opening ourselves to others who are different from us. That is the goal. And diversity is to be a stop on the way to love. A stop on the way to solidarity. And so we are called to embody this new family that Jesus is creating. And we need it. We have 75 nations represented. 123 languages spoken in this neighborhood. It's complicated. Have you been to Chase Bank to take out $20? There's 15 languages to choose from. It's, it's confusing. It's disorienting. And God has brought us together. Not simply to sing next to each other, but to open our lives to one another. To be patient with one another. To be curious about each other's journeys. To wrestle, which is why we take talking about matters of race seriously at New Life. Which is why we talk about racism. Which is why we talk about the history of our nation. And the ways that the historical sins have a way of continuing showing up in our world. This is why we talk about what it means to love and love well and the ways that sin is expressed in ways that are individual and in ways that are institutional. Why? Because Jesus is creating a new family. And we're invited to be part of it. The fourth value. What does it mean to be part of this community? What does it mean to explore our discipleship and spiritual formation in the name of Jesus? Well, our fourth value is about marriage to Christ. It's about sexual wholeness, essentially. And at the core, what we're getting at is this idea that our bodies must be integrated, not separated from our spirituality. I'm telling you, we should have a sign in the front of our church that says, enter at your own risk. <laughs> because to be part of this community means we're going to ask hard questions. And we're going to discern together. And in a rapidly changing world, in which we, how, how, do we, how do we integrate our sexuality with our spirituality? How do we work on our marriages? How do we cultivate a single life? You know, in the churches often, marrieds are up here, singles are down here. No, 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 we're, we're here. Marrieds over here, single, we're trying to figure out what it means to follow Jesus together. And how do we integrate all of this into our discipleship? How do we speak theologically and lovingly about sexuality, knowing that we all come into this church as sexually broken people, every single one of us needing the healing of Jesus Christ in our lives? How do we love well in a society that sees things radically different? This is this commitment of marriage to Christ, that our lives are to be joined in Christ, and this is to be reflected in our marriages and our singleness in our sexuality.
And that's what it means to be part of this community. But here's the fifth one. What does it mean? I tell you, this was a buffet. What does it mean to be part of New Life Fellowship? Lastly, it means that we offer a missional presence to the world. That we are, in, we are outward facing. That the world is so broken and is in need of people who have been with Jesus. In need of people to offer good news. In need of people who are going to serve those who are poor and marginalized and overlooked and under-resourced. We are called to be a people who are on mission with the Holy Spirit in this world. And this year we have an opportunity to deepen our commitment to mission. One of the ways that this is being reflected, this missional commitment is being reflected, is in a new work that's happening on Long Island. And I'm so excited about the missional energy that's already forming, that we're going to have a new New Life Fellowship congregation on Long Island that's starting officially in a couple of months. This community, has, this is a church that already exists right now. They just haven't had a Sunday service yet in a public way. But the church is already formed. And I've been so inspired by our brothers and sisters who are part of Queens that are being sent out to Long Island. And I've been so inspired by their missional energy. So much so that I said, may that missional energy continue to flow within Queens and all around. And I want to give you a picture of this missional energy and the work that's happening in Nassau County. There's a video I want to show you. And I'm just so excited as this Vision Sunday here because we are stepping into new territory as a congregation and starting a new church to be missionally present on Long Island. And we have an opportunity to bear witness to the kingdom of God in fresh ways. And I wanted to just show you a quick video about it. So hit the lights, check out this video. When we heard there was a New Life Church forming in Nassau, we were excited to join. We knew it was going to be a place where folks from different backgrounds and races and age groups would be coming together. We really wanted to be a part of building a community like that. In my time in Long Island in Nassau, I've, I've experienced the fun, I've, I've seen the beauty, but I've, I've also seen the division. Uh, I've seen the division between rich and poor. I've seen the physical separation between the different racial groups. But my hope and our hope is that New Life East is actually this, it's this place where we can come together despite our differences. And that as we take a risk in spending time together, that we actually find common ground. In Jeremiah 29 of the Bible, it talks about seeking the shalom or the peace of the community where you are. There's a lot of great things happening in Nassau County, a lot. I'm excited about New Life East, joining in the efforts to promote peace and promote flourishing in Nassau. New Life East started within a pandemic. 
it was birthed within a pandemic and yet it it continues to it continues to grow imagine the possibilities if more of us we come together we're, we're we grow together we're formed together and and then serve together imagine the possibilities imagine what could be we are a community that has been transformed by the love of god through jesus christ we definitely have not arrived absolutely not but we know that this is a place where we can journey together and experience the power of a faith community it's possible to experience new life even in the after effects of a pandemic i believe in community especially through service and that's why i'm part of new life east i believe that through god positive change is possible no matter who you are and where you are in life i believe in peace and hope that is available for all that's why i'm a part of new life east and the best part is that you can be a part of it too amen We're starting a new congregation on Long Island because we want to reach people with the good news of Jesus. And we want to see a community form that's marked by these particular values. That, that, that Long Island would benefit and be blessed by our presence there. And this is the missional energy that all of us are called to individually and collectively. As I close, I, I want to end with a word of gratitude that will hopefully launch us out into the next season of life together. I mentioned at the beginning of the sermon that we are called to be the rope, that the world is looking for something to bring them home, someplace to bring them to God. And over the past year and a half, I just want to... Praise God and celebrate the ways that so many of you have been that rope. You have been a rope in the past 18 months. You have continued to serve. You have opened Zoom accounts to maintain connection with people. You've endured the whole, you're on mute. <laughs> and you've done it with joy. You have delivered groceries to hungry families in Queens. You have made phone calls and visits to those in our community who have been sick. You have contributed to our Christmas offering last year. A Christmas offering that in the middle of a pandemic, we received the most amount of money in a Christmas offering than we ever received. You did that. You have gathered to pray. You have gathered to hope. And I'm just so grateful for the ways that you have been an expression of God's royal priesthood of God's holy nation, of God's peculiar people. And the invitation that the Holy Spirit has for us is that there's more we can do to continue to give expression 
to this kind of life. We are called to be that rope for a world that has lost its way. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for your presence, for the love of Jesus, which is better than life, for the presence of the Holy Spirit. Lord, thank you for all the ways that you have been faithful to us, ways that you've empowered us in the middle of a very difficult year and a half. That's an understatement, a painful, tragic year and a half. And yet here we are. Lord, thank you for the ways that you have shaped, nurtured, tended to New Life Fellowship over 34 years. And here we are about to start our 35th. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. May we be people who join you on mission. May we recognize who we are. Chosen royal priesthood, holy nation, God's special possession. May that truth find resonance deep in our soul today. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Let's all stand together. I rejoice at the faithfulness of Jesus Christ. I rejoice that the Bible says that he says, I will build my church. That through our failures, through our ups and downs, Jesus has made a declaration. I'm going to do it. And he just happens to use people who are broken and frail and marked by sin in order to confound the world. What a gift. As we close, I want to invite our prayer team to come to my left. Some of you came into church today and you're hurting. You've been wounded. You're lonely. You're doubting. You're questioning. You're just in a difficult place. And you know what? With a year and a half that we've all had, it makes all the sense in the world. But we end with our prayer team here because... You should not have to journey alone. We want to pray for you and pray with you. At the end of our service, our prayer team will be here. And if you sense something stirring up in you that I just need someone to pray for me, we'd love for you to come forward. In addition to that, for those of you watching online, for those of you in this room, every Sunday you have an opportunity to say yes to Jesus Christ. Maybe you said yes to a church service. Maybe you said yes to exploring certain things. But if there's something welling up in your soul that says, I want to follow Jesus. I'm tired of living life on my own. I want to surrender. I'm, I, I need hope and joy and love and forgiveness and I need to be rescued. And if that's something that's filling your soul right now, you can come forward for prayer. You can text that phrase, yes to Jesus, to that number and one of our pastors will be in touch with you. But don't you dare walk out of here if you're sensing, I think God is calling me. 
That's the Holy Spirit speaking at the very depths of your soul. Say, come to me. I'll give you rest. I'll give you joy. I'll give you life. Say yes to Jesus. As we close, let me invite you to open your hands towards heaven to receive a blessing. After I bless you, Pastor Jackie's going to come up for one minute. She's going to give some instructions. As I mentioned, I'll be downstairs in the lobby area and uh, happy to sign books. And if you just want to say hello, please just uh, stop by and just say hello for a moment. I'd love to see you. Um, But just stay up here and Pastor Jackie will come up. But with your hands in your hearts in this posture of receiving, brothers and sisters, sons and daughters of the living God, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face to shine upon you and fill you with peace. And may you walk out of this gathering, an online gathering, in the power of the Holy Spirit, holding on to God and being reminded that you are called to be that rope for a world that's stuck in this blizzard. May God use you with great power May God anoint you with his Holy Spirit. And may many come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ through your life. I bless you all in the strong, in the beautiful, in the risen name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. Grace and peace to you.